I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, Agent Starling, you think you can dissect me with this blonde little tool? No. I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? You know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor wire trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. What is your father to you? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the land? You know how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the end. You see a lot, Doctor. But are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you? Why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? Maybe you're afraid to. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Fly back to school now, little starling. Spooky, easily, starling. Not yet. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lecter's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do?
How else do you play chess? And I'm Sebastian. I'm having an old friend for dinner. I'm Andy Shostler. That was going to be the one I was going to use. Oh, no! <laughs> that was the, pro quo, yes or no. That was the <laughs> trick for me. I was like, don't pick something that Hannibal said because it's going to be one of four <laughs> lines. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to our review of Silence of the Lambs. That's an exciting film, right? Look at us go. Yeah, fantastic. It's a proper film. It's a proper film for pe- for adults. It's one, it's one award. Yeah. <laughs> well, this I know you might have thought you, you mean to tell me McGruber didn't win any awards. Oh, biggest disappointment. <laughs> yeah. McGruber was surely, surely to win a Razzie. No, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Not even nominated. Good lord. Fear not, viewer. Although you are listening Take to a review of a good film, you have not tuned in for the incorrect podcast. <laughs> this, it might seem like we never cover them, and that's not necessarily by choice. But here we are. Holy shit. All right. Well, I'm done. That, that's me done for the entire episode. What about you guys? When when did you first see it? Uh, oh, it would have been within the last 10 years. Like, I wouldn't have watched it quite young or anything. Nothing too crazy. Okay. Because it came out 1991, which was... Ooh, the year of my from birth. perspective... Yeah, I <laughs> wasn't really. Yeah. Well, I, did, I didn't see it when it first came out either. And I was, no. what, eight at that, at that point. Uh, but I certainly saw it when I was still in high school. Yeah, as a teenager. Yeah, I think that's probably when I saw it. I remember, I remember seeing it when I was a bit younger. Like, yeah, probably in my teens, and then watching it again, like probably a few years ago. It was like the first time I really remember watching it. It may have been film class, then, to yeah. be honest. For me, um, mm. I remember there being a breakdown specifically of. Oh, it was one of the. It was either the first or the second um, almost interrogation scene between Starling and, and Lecter. And we were doing a breakdown mm. purely based on the camera work um, and how that can portray yes. um, who has the power in a scene. And yeah. that must have been during. Very well done. Grades 11 and 12. So I guess my first experience would have been about 2007 or 8, I guess. So 12 years really? ago. Really? Thereabouts, yeah. Because the. the- composition of um, of shots whenever Starling is in there was very deliberately done that anybody she's speaking to delivered straight to camera yep. mm. so that you had her perspective but when but when she was talking she would she would be looking off camera off because camera, obviously yeah. she didn't yeah she didn't get her own uh, her own her own image when she was when she was talking oh there's more than so that it was, it was, there's like these creep zooms done, that happen no mm. oh yes 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 Slowly, but it was, but it was specifically in. done to, yeah, it was specifically done to give the audience Starling's perspective of, of, of things. About time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> About time. Nineteen ninety one. Come on, guys. That's what you want, right? <laughs> uh, so the director is Jonathan Dem, 
and this was, I think, his first sort of big film. Um, certainly, I, he you know, I don't really recognize he, his name. After this, he went on to direct Philadelphia and The Manchurian Candidate. Oh, okay. Okay, Manchurian Candidate. Holy shit, I think the Manchurian Candidate's on our list this year, like legitimately. Oh, sweet. I'll double check that, but there you keep you go. going, sorry. I'm pretty sure that we might be doing that. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking Munich, actually, now that I pause. Right. That's Steven Spielberg, isn't it? I'll double check. Oh, I'm going to check the list still to make sure I'm talking about the right damn movies, yeah. but yeah. Well, in any case, um, very oh, popular film. Dead. Oh. No, I was just looking up to see what else he'd done, and he. That says here he died in 2017. Oh, recently. I was wondering. I was looking at his like list here. I was like, why hasn't he done anything in like five years? (laughs) (laughs) It is Munich. We are doing Munich. Um, Actually, after after these science, after these um, Hannibal films, we're going into weirdly a double feature of a history of violence and Munich. So go figure. (laughs) Terrific. Yeah, there's some good movies. That's for everybody. This is the cleansing. <laughs> yeah. You guys thought that I was leading you astray when I popped in some good movies there. <laughs> oh, I got taken in, that's for sure. Good. Uh, very popular film, not just with film students. 8.6 on IMDb and Rotten Tomato uh, is almost even 96 critical, 95% audience score. Oh, yeah. And that sounds about right to me. Film. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever met a single person who, even if they didn't enjoy it, didn't have um, didn't have nothing but positive things to say about it. Yeah, I've never had a bad word about it. It is. It is sort of one of those films that people. I don't quite know how to put it. It's not that like you're expected to have seen it. It's just. I guess that's I guess that's the way to put it. You're expected to have seen it, you know, like famous books like 1984. Yeah, it's like required How viewing for have... if you want to be talking about movies and with any legitimacy. It's like, yeah, but have you seen this yeah, one? Yeah, if if it or rather everybody's happy to keep it secret, but if it ever comes out that you haven't seen it, all of a sudden you're a pariah because oh, <laughs> you're you're weird for not having you know experienced this film that everybody else has. Maybe asterisk. I'm just having a look through Hopkins' career before this though, because it's. It's it's uh, he, did, he did a lot before it, but also nothing that I can. I think this, I think this was the thing that landed him in the states. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, it's the first thing that I can. The first thing I can remember seeing him in because because he's a, Welsh, such an iconic role. Yeah, he's Welsh, and he certainly did a lot of stage work. But I think this was the first thing that really uh, gained him notoriety in the states, which is where movies happen. <laughs> it looks like it was mostly weirdly. TV movies, to be honest, as well. Not not all. Yeah. There are there's there's one or two that snuck by into the theatrical releases, but for the most part, yeah, um, a lot of TV. Work. And Jodie Foster too. She was she was certainly um, an established actress, but still mm. kind of kind of young. She hadn't. I, I, I struggle to think of something that she's more well known for than this. Yeah, uh, she did do Panic Room. Um, the the plain one where she lost her daughter and nobody red seems eye? to remember her having a daughter oh, on the flight. Not red eye then, different is that, one. Is that flight plane or, so, or something like that? I, I no, yeah, that's that sounds familiar. Something like that. Um, she was in Taxi Driver and Panic Room, of but course. That wasn't really her yeah. movie per se, I guess. Yeah. I'm just having a look through uh, now. Sorry, and of course, she was the she was the villain in Elysium. She was the head 
the head uh, president lady for the for the Richies. Andrew, I'm not watching that terrible oh, yeah, movie. You can't make me. <laughs> it's not that bad. Oh, I mean, I, it's not great, but it's not that bad. None of it looks appealing. Actually, I think I've I saw him in that game. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that. It, it wasn't too bad. There oh, are the Inside Man. Films than... Inside Man was a good one from memory, and it was Flight Plan, by the way, Andrew. Right. Um. There you go. The Inside Man was one of those. But, but this, uh, like, bank. This one certainly movies. put her on, on the radar too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Ooh, Nim's Island. Gross. That sounds stupid. <laughs> it looks stupid. Shall we go into a bit of trivia? Absolutely. I would love to. There's a lot of interesting stuff about this one. Funny that popular films <laughs> seem to generate a lot of very interesting <laughs> trivia. And unpopular films, uh, nobody has a thing to say about them. It's almost like history so, trying uh, to forget. It, it, <laughs> unsurprisingly, um, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, um, terrific actor who takes his craft very seriously. He studied serial killers, he visited prisons, and even attended court hearings um, of gruesome murder trials and serial killers in order to prepare for the role. And Jodie Foster, as well, shadowed um, an FBI agent for some time, who actually gave her the idea um, to to have that scene where she exits the the, um, mental asylum or the, the prison for the first time, and she's just crying by the side of the car. The FBI agent she was with said, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes the job is really intense, and the only moment of privacy that you have to uh, let it out is, yeah, when you're when you're alone, just, just coming off somewhere, you right. take any moment you can to, to get the emotion out. Otherwise, you, 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 you'll break down. Yeah, which is... Um, the FBI... Co- yeah. The FBI um, cooperated fully with the, with the production in order to, to make it happen because they felt it was going to boost their female recruitment after the film came out. I don't know how successful that was, but probably, yeah. They, uh, the film certainly has a lot of, a lot of training scenes. Where, not where, not where um, Corey Starling is you know, being told she's bad or anything it's just this is the training and yeah it has to be you have to nail the training because in real life you don't know where your uh, your uh, um, foes uh, your mm. aggressors are, are going to come from and you have to have not only your own back but your but your partner's back and your and your other agents back because you, you you're going to get taken out and it's it's really easy to die in the field this is a dangerous job so take the training seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bit of housekeeping on my guys. I'm apparently in the middle of like some sort of tornado, so I'm going to mute my microphone <laughs> um, because it's very loud in the room that I'm in. So if I'm a bit quiet today, I apologise, but I'm still here. <laughs> I don't like this, Seb. Neither do I. Film and- starting to- <laughs> I can hear it on the bloody um, headsets as I'm talking right now. It sounds like I've just got like a level of static and it's just the oh. rain above me. <laughs> okay. Well, lucky you then, I guess. Yeah, it's starting to rain here now as well. Well, now that however, it doesn't affect my doesn't affect my sound. <laughs> I, I, don't, live I live in a home with a steel roof. <laughs> yeah, my house has a steel roof to keep out the Nazis because everyone knows Nazis can't get through steel. So. <laughs> you don't don't want the government reading your thoughts with their five G. <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to catch COVID, so I need to block all the radiation that is sending my way. 
Um, so this film, obviously, it's about uh, Hannibal Lecter and Cleo Starling. Would you care to take a guess as to how many minutes of screen time Hannibal Lecter has? I was reading into this. It's like a really like pretty low amount considering the length of the movie. Isn't it only about like twenty minutes or something? Out of out of a runtime of one hundred nineteen minutes, Hannibal Lecter has just shy of twenty five minutes of screen time. Yeah. And yet you yeah. think of Silence of the Lambs, it's Jodie Foster. The first thing comes to mind, yeah. 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 And he's not like the um isn't like the second shortest amount of time to like win a an Oscar or something like that as well? Like a screen yeah, I think David Niven pipped him by like a minute or thirty seconds or something. Yeah. For another really short a small role for which he won an Academy Award. Yeah. Mm. That's terrific. Uh uh, it was Anthony Hopkins' um, Fear of Dentists that inspired Lecter to appear in white instead of the more traditional orange or yellow jumpsuit for uh, for criminals being uh, tra- transported. Also makes the blood um, show up a lot better. <laughs> as well, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's it's more menacing and, and creepier when that when that happens. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer was originally up for the role of Chloe Starling, but she rejected it because. Mm. Orion was not going to pay the $2 million fee that she wanted. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't talk about the budget. Um, budget was $19 million. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. Pretty, pretty low. For, for a 1991 film, that's, that's a pretty modest budget um, on, on the lower end, certainly. You know, there are no explosions. It's all psychological stuff going on. Mm. Yeah. There may be something in that, producers. <laughs> into making a good film. It doesn't have to be flashy. But my God, the gross uh, taking on it, $272 million. Wow. Well, that's good. It made it made its budget in the first week of screening. Oh, wow. How good is that? So No, no wonder they wound up doing sequels. <laughs> Jodie Foster, after reading the novel this was based on, um, I don't know uh, which, which novel it was based on. What... It's not called Souls of the Lambs, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Well, let me check. Yeah, because uh, I thought it was based on the 1988 novel of the same name. Oh, there you go. So she read it and immediately wanted to wrap up the uh, film rights for it, but found that she'd been beaten to it by Gene Hackman. God, yeah. of course he did. And Gene Hackman wanted to to buy it. Uh, to, in, in order to, to, to play Hannibal Lecter himself. But after seeing uh, the response from, oh, I forget what the, what the film was he did that year, um, but the response from you know, this, this violent film that he'd done, uh, I think it was Bonfire, something to do with Bonfires, uh, he, he, he didn't want to do a dark movie. Mm. And so he, he, he sold it to, I think, Dino... Laurentis. Um and again, it's one of those cases where yeah, the, the script was the, the the rights for it rather were shopped around to to a few different places. But thank God Orion made it because Orion made good films in the nineties. Also, bloody and Roger Corman's in this movie. Can we talk about Roger Corman? What the hell? <laughs> like I was going through because like, I, I didn't realize she did the occasional bit part. I say occasional. There's in a lot of bit parts in films. Um, speaking right. of which, um, he's in Godfather Part 2, so uh, we do have to look forward to that potentially in the future. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's one of the seven thousand films that he's also um, been in production in regards. But he's actually, he's in this one. He's one of those guys, one of those faces that keeps on popping up. Yep, despite all logic, Archie didn't produce it. He just <laughs> he just had a role in it, so he, he was he just was an FBI uh, member. So okay, I apologize. No, not part, no part of the production. What I can see, yeah. unless I'm being lied to on IMDb. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> you get a lovely little cameo from uh, from Charles Napier, um, who plays the he's great the cop once he's transferred. Oh yeah, I mean Blues Brothers. He's he's fantastic. Oh. I think that's the, that's the first role I saw him in, and so every time I see him, I'm reminded of, you know, head of the good old boys, which is a bit hard to a bit hard to chew corn with no fucking teeth. Yeah. <laughs> good character actor. So, uh, funnily enough, uh, 1991, um, Paul Verhoeven declined the offer to direct. Uh, now. 1991, he's come off uh, Robocop, Total Recall. Both, I think you could argue, are satirical films with a a, a dark humor streak to them. Um, Paul Verhoeven declined to direct, thinking there wouldn't be a market for such a dark movie, A Silence of the Lambs. Well, now who's an idiot? (laughs) Well, he's good at at the sci-fi action stuff. I don't think he would have done a bad job of this, but maybe yeah. it was for the best. That he yeah, I don't really know how well he would have uh, how well he would have handled this one. I'm sh- I'm, I'm sure there would have been you know, a fair amount of he 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 takes he takes care of the subject matter um, when it's serious. You know, Robocop and and Total yeah. Recall and Starship Troopers, for that matter, all have very serious subject matter. Um, they're they're satires, but. If you're if you're paying attention to what's being said on screen, you can read between the lines and okay, yeah, that's actually a good point. Okay, so I don't think I don't think he would have done a rubbish job of it, but we certainly wouldn't have the film that we do. Um, I feel like we should throw some props in as well. We're going through the actors are Ted Levine in this film, obviously very crucial role, um, kind of like Hannibal in a sense that he doesn't actually take up that much screen time. I'd say I don't, I don't know how little no. he'd have, but I wouldn't be fighting you if you said he had 20 to 25 minutes worth of screen time himself. I actually think he was in it less um, than yeah. Hannibal was. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but weird how this film has two antagonists and collectively between the two of them, they would both take up less than half the runtime. Like, <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I guess it is, it, is, it is kind of strange where it, it, it's a film with overlapping stories where, yeah, you've got two antagonists and also two, two potential victims. So all that, so all that tension is building up in in, in both cases, and they're, and, and they're both playing off each other. Yeah, a really, really, really well put together film. Um, oh. And I, 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 it's so simple, but when you have a character as interesting as Lecter, keeping him on as like a sideline antagonist, but also in that sort of advisory role to just stretch out every moment with him, it's kind of genius, yeah. really. And I know they've taken from mm-hmm. the book, but it just it works so well. Um, even if you weren't going into doing the sequels like they ended up doing, even just yeah. as a standalone, that works really well for him to have the escape, and that that's just his own thing. Like, wow, so much happened, but it's also contained. Anyway, yeah. good stuff. The the pleasure in this film is watching Hannibal Lecter play the games to to show everybody how clever he is without 
really being obvious about what he's giving away until somebody thinks about it or, or works it out. And then he's already three steps ahead of them by that point anyway. Yeah. And I guess we can but use this. He's, oh, sorry. I was just gonna, some, sometimes he's just there to provoke, but there's always some meaning behind it. And I was just going to say, when we do look into the other films, when we go through this, at least the ones with Hopkins in it, this series, kind of take note as to how subtle they play Lecter in this film. And then you'll kind of, yeah, as, as time goes on, he'll get a little bit less and less subtle. The performance is still good, yeah. but the, the things that they make the character do are just so more overt in the other films to come that it's, I don't know. And he became a meme, unfortunately. Yes, he yeah. did. You know? I feel like, this is like they, they knew what they had as soon as this movie kind of hit. They were like, oh, okay, so we need more. like that. But maybe, maybe in those future scenes, they've gone a bit too heavy. <laughs> or leaned a bit too hard into it, but it kind of loses its touch a little bit, I think. Yeah. We've got some interesting performances coming up, though. I just remembered bloody... Um... That's it. I haven't, I haven't watched the sequels in quite some time, so we'll find out. Oh, what's the freaking... I've forgotten his name. Gary Oldman's character in uh, whichever one he's in. Um, that's a really weird oh. performance. You literally will not recognize him. And I'm not saying that. Yeah, I didn't even realize he was yeah. I didn't realize he was in either of those movies. Oh, okay. Um, he plays an ex a survive, a uh, one that has survived, but an ex-victim of Hannibal. And mm. he's probably ah. disfigured through that. Um, but it's Gary Oldman, so he's he gets, you know, ten thousand different voices that he can speak from and you can't mm. recognize his face. Like literally, you would not know it was him if you didn't read the credits or I didn't tell you it was. Like it's that, that yeah. Um, interesting. Isn't, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in one of them as well. Yes, he is. Um, so Hannibal yeah. is the one with Gary Oldman, which I think means that Red Dragon's the Hoffman one because I think that they're in different Must cities. Be, yeah. But in saying that, they could be. Yeah, I think that they're the other ones. Yeah, cool. All I remember from the other ones is that Ray Liotta eats a slice of his own brain right up in front of him while uh, he's still alive. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting thing as well. So obviously, this came out in 1991. Hannibal, the one that we're doing next, came out 10 years later, 2001. Yeah, it was a big gap. And then Red Dragon came out 2002, so right after, next next year. So they went from having a 10-year... I've got to capitalize year... on those. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Edward Norton plays Will Graham in um, Red Dragon. And he's, That's right. He's yeah. great. I love the Will Graham character. If you guys have ever watched the Hannibal TV series... Genuinely very good. I didn't watch all of it. I never finished it, but it was yeah. very well put together. Um, I've been thinking of, of watching it, actually. When I was watching Silence of the Lions yesterday, I remembered that that show existed, and I was like, hmm, maybe I should give it a watch. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of... Is it Mads Mikkelsen that played um, played the, played Hannibal? Uh, yeah, I think so. Whoever plays... Is, does he play Le Chiffre in Casino uh, Royale? Yes... Same guy, yeah, yeah. So he plays like he plays Lecter in those. He plays it differently to Hopkins, but also fucking amazing. Yes. Like it's such. I think it's the role itself has so many things you can do with it. Yeah, um, mm, yeah, definitely. But the show only went for three seasons, and I watched, I, you know, a few episodes in a row here and there. I just never committed to sitting down and watching it, but I was always very impressed. I just, it's such a dark show that for me, it's like I have to be in a mood to want to put myself through that. That's all. Right. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the Will Graham character. Well, Anthony Hopkins' true. portrayal certainly certainly set the standard. Oh yeah, Hannibal <laughs> Lecter. Yeah, yeah. In every every performance, any kind of like role that has that really heavy psychological kind of aspect to it, I think. 
Uh, as well. Yeah, exactly right. So shall, shall we run through the plot? Absolutely. Oh, let's do it. It does, like, there's, there's not a lot to say about the plot. Like, things, things do happen, but the, the, the real meat. plot at the end of the day. Yeah, the the real meat of of um of this film is all the a- atmosphere that mm. that it that it builds up. You know, yeah, absolutely. You, you can't say the tension is building and you know have the same effect as actually living through it. Oh, yeah. I should say no. sorry. Ten years later, they do keep Anthony Hopkins on board, but they do actually replace Jodie Foster with Julianne Moore for the same character. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <clears throat> Who does a good job of it too? Oh, my memory is that yeah, I've memory, never had bad, yeah. any issues with any of the performances in these films. I just remember the other two just being less good. Yeah. But you know, maybe I'm, hopefully I'm wrong yeah. when we go to rewatch them. I'd like to be wrong. <laughs> so we start off with uh, Clarice Starling training while the, while the credits are, are running in a very nineties sort of credit fashion. That yeah, <laughs> she's running. Uh, and immediately uh, she's put onto the uh, Buffalo Bill case. But not really Buffalo Bill case. Um, what her director wants wants her to do, uh, nobody's had any success in speaking to Hannibal Lecter. They want to speak to him in order to get a better profile for serial killers. He's part of that, that interview. Nobody's had any success in talking to him, and the director feels sending in Clarice will... I don't know. Open up that gate, or, or you know, loosen loosen uh, uh, Hannibal's hesitation or reservation in in talking to someone. So she she pops along to the prison where he's kept, uh, and she's given a strict set of rules on how to behave around him, to always watch out and you know, specific questions to to ask him, uh, and she's completely surprised by by what by what she sees mm. and, and and what she hears you know she's told not to engage um, in Hannibal because he'll find something you know personal about you and then and then get inside your heads about that and he certainly doesn't hold back um, in doing that guys I'm currently in the uh, eye of a hurricane here you'll have to bear with me um Oh, me too. Actually, it's just started. Just started raining here. Yeah. I, don't, I hope it's not coming through the microphone. But no, I can't pick is, up yeah, anything like, on your round, guys. I can hear it all. No sound at all. You, but but you guys I, are fine. I got no sound, but I look out my window and it's pretty much just grey. Like I can't see anything. <laughs> can you guys? When I stop speaking, can you hear that level of static? Yeah or nay? Could you hear it? Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's can, the rain. I can hear it, but like I can, I can identify it as rain. Yeah. <laughs> On my end, it's just like a shh. Anyway, I'm going to mute again. Sorry, please continue, Andrew. <laughs> so after, after Clarice's interview with uh, Hannibal Lecter, um, she, she, she reveals that, you know, they're after, they're after this, this killer. Maybe, maybe he can help. Buffalo in, Bill. Buffalo Bill, exactly right. Maybe she can help. Maybe he can help in, in, uh, tracking him down or whatever, and then we find out the Buffalo Bill, yeah, this um, uh, this uh, governor's daughter. Is it the governor's daughter or, or yeah, the mayor's uh, daughter? Senator's daughter, something like that. Sen- oh, senator's daughter. Excuse me, um, has been kidnapped by Buffalo Bill, doing a doing a Ted Bundy, you know, trying mm. to uh, yeah. learn. Um, yeah, by pretending to be handicapped or you know just incapacitated mm. somehow. She wants. Um, 
she wants to help him, and the, and that's how he that's how he gets her. He gets her in the back of the van by getting her to help load a chair that he then pushes right, <laughs> right up against the mm. wall. So she kind that's of kind of interesting to make that comparison as well. Because I was reading somewhere that like the story itself was kind of based around Ted Bundy in a way as well. Like apparently someone, um, apparently he sort of did a similar thing to Lecter and like helped with an investigation on some kind of, um, he certainly, yep. He certainly did that. Yeah. Yeah. So then after that, uh, Clarice has, is kind of thinking about what Hannibal was saying and she cottons onto one, one little phrase that he used and decides to, no, nobody can find any of his patient records. Hannibal Lecter used to be a, a psychologist, um, and troubled people would would go along to him. A lot of killers have ended up being, uh, you know, his his former clients. Hmm. But nobody can find any of his records. Um, and she cottons on to this one little phrase that he used. I, oh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, it was like self self store or something like that. It's it's one of those self storage places. Hmm. Uh, she goes in there, and yet, yeah, lo and behold, she she finds uh, Hannibal Lecter's uh, warehouse of <laughs> of grotesquerie, yeah, and all, and all these records as well. They've actually got one of these at the Gold Coast. It's like a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum. It's kind of the same thing, to be honest. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and it, it, it does look very creepy. He's got you know mannequins dressed up there, and, you know, a severed head as well. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, if you're a cannibal, of course you're going to have a severed head as a, as a showpiece. Of course. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling to remember what happens after this. It, it's not that the film the film does move slowly in the sense that it takes yeah. its time to get where it's going. Um, yeah. But it also, but it also well, she, does... She comes back from there and then that's when he offers to like help with the the case if he can be transferred. Ah, that's right. And that's the special the special deal for him. Yeah, and it's after that. I think it was actually after that that the um, senator's daughter gets picked up. Okay. Uh, so she does go and see Hannibal Lecter again. Yeah, and that's when they have the, when he kind of picks her apart a bit about her, um, her childhood. Yes. Which... Not that it's not consequential to the end of it, but it it's it's just I I I picked up that it was just in there in the film to make her vulnerable, not necessarily to be important that her father was a cop. Although yeah, you can, I can certainly see, see why yeah why she why she would go into that field. Mm. Uh, but he does he certainly does get inside her head. Um, so but he likes her. It has to be said. He does. I think he genuinely really likes her, and it's not in like a, a sexual way or anything like that. I think he just ad- like actually admires the kind of person that she is, and he genuinely he likes the toy. Her. Yeah, he likes the toy that. because she's not honestly. No, I because she's not. An- oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say she's not antagonistic like other interviewers are, which isn't fun for him because he doesn't get to play his game. They know. You know, they they just come in there with a list of questions, and if he's not cooperating, then they're not then they're not interested. But Clarice, being who she is, she's going to talk to him. She's going to play his game without without knowing she's playing the game, and yeah. that's fun for her. That's it. See, I saw it more of like a, a mentor mentee sort of thing. Like, I genuinely think he liked her, 
and was like, I'm going to actually help you. I'm going to have some fun while I'm doing it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a dickhead. But I, I, that's how I took it as it was more of like a sort of maternal, like father helping his daughter sort of thing. But uh, taken back a couple of steps. But for me, I saw more that direction than just the, oh, what a fun new toy you've given me. Everyone else, I think that uh, he sees everyone else as an object and as a toy. I just think with Clarice, though, it was actually genuine affection. Yeah. And I'm, I'm skipping over a bit of the plot here. Not that it's not important, but it's just something that is more fun to watch than to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Eventually, eventually we get to the point where um, they've, they've nailed, nailed a name. Clarice has the epiphany that... Um, of, of, of who the who the serial killer is that he's you know that he knew the girl that um, that was his first victim um, about why he's why he's doing it because he's you know going to uh, going to use them to sew this sort of skin dress or whatever over him so that's why he keeps them alive for three days before killing them because he he needs their body to shrink a little bit so they're easier to to the skin is easier to manipulate. Right. Um, and the director says, Clarice, you know, great. That's fantastic. We're already on our way to get it. We had a tip from someone at John, John Hopkins. Um, we're going there. Yes, it's 400 miles from where you are now, but don't bother because we're already rushing there. Just you do your thing and we'll report back when we, when we find the guy. Uh, she gets the idea then that um, she's she's talking. I, I can't remember who this other character was in in the scheme. Was she just another colleague at the FBI or another cadet? Yeah, just a from friend of the yeah. school. Because she's kind of you know just bouncing ideas off her, and they realise that um, again from from this one little phrase that Hannibal Lecter has spoken and Clarice now remembers for whatever reason. Um, they end up tracking down that uh, Buffalo Bill must have known his first victim, must have had right. a deep affection for it because he must have been, you know, spying on her for quite some time in order to to do what he did to her, right, in order to develop the, the coveting feelings, the covetous feelings that he, that he had. And she goes off on her own to investigate, um, I think it was the... the for, for the first victim was the daughter or had a neighbor who was a seamstress or something. And so she was just going to go to that place and see if she could talk to the, the seamstress, the, the Lindy. Was it the Lindy family? Something like that. Yeah. That sounds about right. Can I, I want um, to I'm of, going to. Oh, sorry. I was yeah, say, sure. Generally with on the topic of the Buffalo Bill character, I kind of want to throw this film a compliment and it's given, honestly, the political climate today. This film, being from 19... Oh, it's, it's as old as I am, so it's a 29-year-old film. If it had played Buffalo Bill is sick because he's a transvestite, that would have been the easy route that would have been socially acceptable at the time. But they don't go in that direction with the character and they actually... They, mm. they, they do play it more into... No, no, he's mentally ill... He also just happens to be a transvestite as well, as opposed to yeah. that's the illness, which I was like, not so- even that, not even because Hannibal Lecter says he's he's not a transvestite. He thinks he is, but he's not actually going through the transformation. He's just so ashamed of who he is. He wants the transformation, 
yep. and he's lat- latched onto the transsexual identity as a way of expressing that. Surprisingly, very um, forward thinking. Like it's, I, I, yeah, for sure. When I'm watching an old movie, I just assume it's going to have different beliefs and standards to how we live today, and all that. I just accept that. Doesn't mean I have to. I have to like it for what it is. But I also you give things a mulligan because it's like, well, that racist you know, Disney cartoon from the 1920s is also from the 1920s. Like it's wrong, <laughs> but back then they didn't make a wrong decision. They just made what they thought was a decision. Anyway, whatever. I don't care. It's bad, but That's right. you accept it because it's a, it's, it's a historical piece in a sense, rather than a piece of entertainment then because it, because of your, your gap to it. Yeah. This film, this film yeah. or this book, very cleverly written. Like that's, I just, I just admire that about it. So this is a good point. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so uh, Clarice goes off on her own to interview this, uh, this ex ex neighbor of the of the first victim, and at the same time we're going you know back and forth uh, editing between the the raid that the FBI director is doing, right? Yeah. Which at this point we think is the real Buffalo Bill, and then the guy who answers the door that uh, that Clarice is, is is at we know is Buffalo Bill already, mm-hmm. uh, and so instant tension. Hello, hello. She's going into this into this trap that she doesn't know about. Did Hannibal Lecter send her there through his mysterious little games as a as a surprise for uh, Buffalo Bill, or or is he playing an even bigger game? Who knows? So she goes she goes in, and pretty quickly she's uh, she's clued into the fact that he's going to do her some harm. Also, the way the shots are edited, we find out that um, that the uh, the name given to the to the director for the raid there was a dummy. There's there's nobody there. There's certainly no Buffalo Bill there. Yeah, uh, Buffalo Bill. They go into his basement or something. He uh, he he escapes down and and Clarice chases him. Uh, and then one of the best scenes in the film, he switches off the lights in order to get yeah, in that night vision and flicks on a pair of night vision goggles. But Clarice is completely blinded. And he's just following her around for a couple of minutes. He's just following yeah, her around quite a while. Yeah, and he's a, he, he's about to shoot her. He cocks his gun, and that's when the FBI training kicks in. She knows exactly where he is from the sound. Turns around, and blammo, fires at uh, fires at Buffalo Bill, killing him, saving uh, saving the the senator's uh, daughter, uh, and gets the commendation at the end. We get a nice little. In the meantime, I, I, I know all, all this has happened as well. Hannibal's been transferred and he escapes from his from his prison in a, another wonderful scene, of course he does, because he's brilliant. Um, and he he calls Clarice at the end of the film, basically to confirm, yes, I've escaped and you're not going to catch me. I hope you don't come after me, Agent Starling, because I certainly have no intention of coming after you. Goodbye. Ten I'm having an old friend for dinner. Quick, yeah. <laughs> quick long cut to the next film a decade later in which it stars those two characters. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, it's not. That was a beautiful yes. summation, but I really want to point out that it took you twenty minutes less to summarize this film than it did Mystery Man last week. <laughs> <laughs> because in order to enjoy Mystery Man, you really have to go plot for point. I am doing it a disservice mm. uh, to to Silence of the Lambs in order to go point by point. It's something you really have to experience. Yeah, it's nice it to really know where is. the story goes, but. The, the joy is really in 
being there with the tension, and I can't do that just by reading out what happens. Okay. Well, yeah. I'd like to focus. There's definitely films where like you can't really you, you can't really summarize it in words. Like it's one of those movies that you yeah. do have to just watch an experience for sure. And it's the performance of mm, Hopkins absolutely. and against Clarice. They're the best moments in the film where, where he and Clarice are uh, talking with one another. And essentially Hannibal Lecter is just laying all his little all his little, you know, traps and toys that he's going to, to, to spring later on. Yeah. Because he's just playing this huge game with everybody. He's he's so much of a genius that yeah, he can he knows exactly how people are going to react and all he has to do is set set the right seed here and, and let it and let it grow. I'd like to focus on one of my favorite scenes then, if we can just hone in a little bit. Um, The Hannibal's escape. I thought that was really well done. Oh, yeah. whole set piece. I love even... How he managed to to string that man up all by himself, I was like... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that part is... uh, That raises some questions, but the idea of um, like taking the man's face off and putting it on his own so he just looks like he's been disfigured and looks like that guy. Kind of fucking genius, which of course it is because it's Hannibal Lecter, that's the point. Um, but just really, really well put together, that whole thing, just to the, even mm. to the reveal in the, um, in the ambulance that they've taken the wrong guy out of the building and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Nicely so put together and... They just drop the little bits of the reveals. All the all the clues are there for you as the audience member. Like literally, him grabbing the knife after he's you know bitten that first guy and killed him that way, and he you know grabbing the knife. It's setting up. He's going to go cut the face off to do this plot. Like it's all there on a review. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know just strong stuff. Strong. And it's and it's a great. It's a great movie for all those little little details. You, you, it's no, it's it's not a spoiler to know what's 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 about to happen because again, the the fun part is in seeing it for yourself, is in being along for the ride for yeah. all that tension. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's a film that you can really enjoy multiple viewings of. No, it's it, it's been a while since I'd seen it last, and I'd forgotten how much. I enjoy watching it. How much I enjoy being creeped out. I'm not a big fan of horror films, because, you know, slasher films, I, I should say, um, because they end up being more of a joke uh, quite often. But this film where somebody's getting into somebody's head and you don't even realize until, until they're yeah. trapped, that's, that's very, it's very pleasant to, to get that story. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And this film is satisfying in that way, satisfying in that way as well. Like, um, the little hints of like, oh, the dickhead doctor from the practice is now missing his pen. Yes. Yeah, like little little things like that. Um, I don't know. I just I appreciate a film that gives you a little bit of credit while going through itself and doesn't have to stop and be like, ah, oh, this is the pen I stole from you when you weren't looking. Ha 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 ha. Like no, it doesn't yeah. do that shit. It's just doesn't have to spell it out for you. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't you feel clever when when you see it without being told where to look? Absolutely. What were your favorite? What were your favorite scenes, guys? Like I did mine, which is the escape scene. Um, what other things stood out for you in particular? Um, definitely both of the like, I guess, interrogation scenes. It's like they're just so like well shot, so well put together. The performances are so good. Like just like Hopkins and um, what's her name? I'm blanking on it now. Uh, Jodie Foster. Like the two of them when they're ever there on screen together, it's just so good. 
They, just have, like, they have, have such a good like a good chemistry between those two characters. I'm 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 a big fan of the the build up to the climax when you're seeing side by side the director's team going off to yeah that's right uh, as well get the buffalo thing and Clarice is off on her own but oh uh, swapo changeo one's actually one's actually the, the important one is not the important one uh, and then <laughs> it's such a weird thing to have in a movie just a, a couple of minutes of night vision of the, <laughs> of of, of Jodie Foster. Uh, touching walls and, and not really knowing where where she is, you know, of yeah. hearing breathing and hearing her get more and more terrified as, as time is going on because her life literally is on the line. And then blammo, resolution, done. She gets the bad guy. It's funny. I've actually seen the, the same bit that they did where the cops are going to one house and the other cops in, one, in, in the other house at the same time. They actually did in an episode of Boston Legal – it's the same thing um, where the cops are, are busting down the one door, but the lawyers have gone to this other house to chat with someone. Ah. It's the reveal that, um, yeah, because somebody, uh, uh, I think it was Denise, had been kidnapped by a particular um, client. That's that's right, yes. Yeah, and they do the same thing. It was the, thing, the yeah. priest or something? Oh, he wasn't a No. He looks like a priest, but if, if that's a thing. Oh, um, Brad, no, Brad had cut off the finger of a of a... Yes. priest or something oh fucking great yeah. show <laughs> but yeah yeah um but yeah sweet well we can move into verdicts then if you guys don't have any other points we don't need to beat a dead horse um i mean but yeah up to you guys do you want to move on no no let's let's verdict this one up you've heard the good you've heard the bad a lot of opinions a couple facts it's verdict time I said it before, this is kind of the top of the mountain when it comes to this pseudo-trilogy we're doing. I know there's like five of them, but mm. two of them don't count for... Um, whatever, this is the Hopkins ones. Um, it will get worse from here, but my memory is that even when it's worse, it's still a, it's a, still pretty consistent quality. Like, if we're going to count this one as like... I, I know we don't give ratings out of 10, but let's say hypothetically this is between an 8 to a 10 out of 10, yeah? Maybe on the 9s, but... My memory of the other ones is they might sit around a six and a half or a seven, you know, like they're still more than adequate. Yeah, um, I don't remember them being like bad or anything. I just don't think they sort of live up to the standard of the original. Exactly. And I mean, like, you can say that about so many things, but in this case, it is true. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely um, go see this one if you haven't already seen it. Um, mm. Purely on a performance basis, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, but also, on, from like a filmmaker's perspective, watch it. There's some good shit in here. And even just as an average mm-hmm. human being who does, you know, not looking at making something, watch it. It's fucking good. I don't know what more we need to say, but that, that's my take on it anyway. No, absolutely. 10 out of 10. I mean, this this film sets the standard for, for that creepy tension that you want yeah. in a thriller. You know, the, every the, the enjoyableness of this film is in the atmosphere that it sets. Of seeing, of seeing two women both in harm's way of two psychopaths and how those stories are linked together and just how they're, how they're increasingly closer to, to their death only to have it turned around at the last minute. Through good training, good FBI training. That's yeah, 100%. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Yeah, couldn't, honestly couldn't recommend it higher. Essentially what you guys have said, it's a fantastic movie. And it's definitely one of those ones that like, I don't know, it's one of those like, you have to see it kind of movies in my opinion. Like there's probably only, a, probably only a handful of them where I feel like everybody needs to see a particular movie. Like this is one of them. It's just so good. 
not just not just see it, but this is one of those films that you really should be giving it your attention mm, in order absolutely. to get get the most out of it. You know, you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't want to be on your phone when you're watching this. Yeah, no. You you want to be giving it all of your attention so that everything the filmmakers are trying to tell you through this one little screen is just bouncing in and resonating. 100%, yeah. Oh, perfect. I think that sums it up really nicely then. I reckon we'll uh, bounce some socials and get out of here, guys. Find us on Instagram at Second Take Podcast, or if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. You can jump onto our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Second Take. You can also follow me on Twitter if you like at JordanMSPP. And you can follow me at Bastion underscore James. Um, jump on our website, secondtakepodcast.com. You can email us at secondtakepodcast at gmail.com or support the show at patreon.com slash secondtake. Um, guys, I, I may have organized a really fun outro song for this episode, so uh, brace yourselves. <gasps> and watch well, I'm going to go enjoy some, some liver with some nice father beans that you hit that. Perfect. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.